This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. If you're ever at a loss for what to eat, I like to go to the market and just walk through there. You're always going to find either take-home prepared meals, but their meat and seafood departments are incredible. So you can always get some great ideas there. The first thing you see are those kebabs in a variety of flavors. Oh, yeah. There's some great ideas for dinner right there. And, of course, their seafood second to none. Have you... Have you purchase those big giant scallops that they have i have not no i have i have and they are worth it they're the best scallops you're ever going to have uh don't forget the poke bar which is now available in all three locations if you're uh want to eat something on the go going out for lunch whatever the reason there's always pokey at zoo pants yeah and you know what there's a little secret to that poke bar there's rice there Mm -hmm. and there's also lots of beautiful fish yeah so and it's all priced by the pound right so how would you go about that heavy on the fish yeah a little bit a little bit so um their take-home meals are awesome we just had some um uh stroganoff that was really good mm. and um also i always like to take pictures you're not supposed to take pictures in the store for whatever reason but they we're allowed to because they sponsor us right but that produce department is picture worthy oh, you totally just want to pull out your camera yeah everything is delicious and beautiful and right now the citrus is fantastic um so not, second to none over there, their produce department. Absolutely. Got a lot of locally sourced, mostly locally sourced uh, products. And let's not forget the floral department. Always beautiful and a great place if you're looking for a special gift for that someone. Three locations, McAdam, West Burnside, and Lake Grove. And of course, always where, Chris? Zoopans.com. And in your mailbox, if you subscribe to the news feed, you're going to get deals in your email box. Got to do it. Here we go. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork. And to this morning, oh, and you. <laughs> See, you, you've been getting after me because we had this I decision so, made that I was that um, we were going to introduce ourselves. So I paused so that you could say, I'm Chris Angeles. But it doesn't feel right, right? No, well, I think we me... go back to that guy over there, okay. Chris Angeles, Portland Food Adventures. That guy over there, and I'm pointing yes. to the to straight ahead. Yep. Court Johnson, Kink.fm, mm-hmm. and many other things. You've got podcasts going on. You just interviewed me for the uh, the Kink Top 50 podcast. I did, yeah. The Portland 50. Uh, oh, Chris the Portland was, 50. Chris right. was our guest last week. You can go to kink.fm and uh, listen to it there, or just you know listen wherever you listen to podcasts. I think that's that has to be the most fascinating podcast of any going on. That's basically, that it's basically it's the people and places that make Portland unique. I was unique. talking about my episode. Oh, no, that podcast. <laughs> well, I'm just saying you deserve... To be on that podcast. So. Oh, thanks. No, I don't know. Let people decide. Listen to it. And, right. then, and then write us to whether I deserve to be on that podcast. Sure, okay. It was good. Yeah. So do that. And then also you can go listen to Court's other podcast. He's like the podcast king now. Something. Um, Unholy Mat- Matrimony, which is really cool. It's you and your wife, and it's... Uh, it's a little snapshot of your life. Yeah, snapshot of our parenting techniques and, and and our favorite segment is what did court do wrong this week? Oh good. Yeah. I'm every, sure there's every no single shortage week. Oh, no. no shortage of topics. She's got a list. <laughs> so listen to those, but continue you know, as always, we got some great episodes in our archives. Oh yeah. So listen back into our archives. You know, once a month we pull one out for you. Mm-hmm. But you're welcome to go do it yourself. Or you're welcome to listen to this week's episode with Ann Lou of Tapalaya. Yeah, really great conversation with her and just kind of learning her uh, her trajectory to the Portland food scene via New Orleans. And right. and then and at one point I make I I describe no, I I think I pronounced New Orleans in a way I thought was very common for the place mm-hmm. and come to find out is not. So it was a learning experience for me. Right. So, and that's important for a guy from Utah who, uh, oh, yeah. who inherited the jazz. Oh yeah. So you need to know more. I need to know how to pronounce New Orleans properly. Right. right. And the re- one of the reasons, other than the fact that she's, you know, the, that it's a big job. She took over Tapalaya after having cooked there. Yeah. So she owns it now and she is a chef, but she had worked w- uh, with Janice Martin at, uh, Tanuki. Right. And so Janice kept writing, not kept, but a couple of times she just texted me, you need to have Anne on the podcast because she's an interesting person. And she was right. 
And I always like when someone's thinking about interesting guests on the podcast because yeah. not all guests are real interesting. Sure. They can be, but it takes the right person. And we're obviously not the right people to bring that out of everybody. We can bring it out of some people. Showcase it. It's more like showcasing it. Right. And in this case, Anne was, uh, had a lot to talk about. She's interesting. And uh, I don't think she held back any punches. She said what she wanted to say. Yeah. Super informative, super interesting interview the entire time. And I need to get over to Tapalaya, as does everybody who's listening to this as well. Yep. You've been to Tapalaya? I have not. It's, a, it's on my that, list. Add, add that one to the list. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then if you went to listen to this podcast with Anne, you can take that off the list. There we go. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at Zupans.com, eat well, put taste first, love your food. By Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. ringside-steakhouse.com By Portland Food Adventures, inviting you to listen to Right at the Fork, episode number 170 with Proud Mary Coffee's Nolan Hurdy. Then imagine yourself eating and sipping your way through Melbourne, Australia this April for nine incredible days of VIP treatment at Nolan's favorite places in Proud Mary's home city. Also tempt yourself with an incredible Italian food vacation with Astri Enzyme and a wonderful October journey to Bologna and Emilia Romagna. It's all at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under the Trips tab. Contact Right at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more information and special savings on these PFA food journeys by Gen Air Quality Appliances at Standard TV and Appliance. Standard TV and Appliance is your source for the best of Gen Air and associated brands where you can check out the latest technology in appliances like Gen Air's remote access ranges with a host of other cool features for your upgrade or remodel. Gen Air and Standard, both staples in Oregon and Washington kitchens since 1947. And by... Portland Knife House, dedicated to equipping the professional and home cook alike, offering knife sharpening, repair, sales, and education in Southeast Portland. Owned and operated by former chefs with by far the largest selection of kitchen knives in Portland with a focus on Japanese knives. See them for yourself at their Southeast Belmont showroom and store or at PortlandKnifeHouse.com. Hello? Is that better? That's much better. Okay, good. I was going to offer you my... Yeah. I was going to offer you my connection. <laughs> so that's, that's the kind of people we are yeah. here at Right at the Fork. So speaking of the podcast, and you're the re- well, you should have been here a long time ago. Oh, that's um, But our friend Janice Martin oh, yeah. just sent me a, an emphatic suggestion that we have you on the show. And so she's my you, girl. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I just wanted to ask. So just so everybody knows, we're talking about Janice Martin of formerly of Tanuki, now at East Gleason Pizza Lounge, Pizza Lounge, which I tried the other night, man, and it's fun yeah, watching her put her stuff on pizza. She's been there yet. So, oh, you haven't been? No. Good. So I'm usually saying I haven't been to things, but I've been there. So I got to claim that. And it was delicious. And her porchetta on pizza that she was posting on Facebook looked pretty good last night. I know. It looked really awesome. So Jana suggested you come on the podcast, and I'm thankful you did. I appreciate Thank you. you I here. appreciate this. I, didn't, I don't really know you, so um, I took her word that you'd be a fun, because sometimes we have guests that are, just aren't as fun as others. Or not, it's true. You have to, it's like <laughs> pulling teeth. Let's name names. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Let's. You know what? I like to know that my memory is bad enough that I probably can't think of. Uh, I can think of one. <laughs> but at any rate, um, but Janice, um, I wanted to ask you because Janice is, I, I can't say responsible, but Janice <laughs> has touched some real heavy hitters in Portland. You're doing some great things at Tapalaya. And of course, Maya, and I'm probably going to leave some Maya Lovelace at the future yonder, 
which yeah, is coming. Yeah, I know Maya. We're friends. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So I wanted to ask: what, what, Do you think that Janice is just excellent at recruiting seconds in command or people to work for her, or that she really had such an influence on you that helped you to be able to accomplish what you've accomplished? Yeah, I mean, I feel like when. When I worked at Tanuki, it was from 2012 to 2013. It was sort of, I hadn't become the executive chef at Tapalaya yet. It was my, my in the middle area. I, had, I left Tapalaya. I was the sous chef there for about two and a half years before working at Tanuki. And I really didn't have that much front of the house experience when I started there. And I, she really made me focus on that because I was cooking before going to work there. But I also was helping her prep all the seafood because of her seafood allergy and everything. So, I mean, I was there all day with her too. And it, she was a mentor figure to me, but more like after the fact, <laughs> you know, like, cause when you're working there, it's really intense. She's super professional. She is someone that you just need to put your head down and work with in order to understand, you know, and, I, I feel like I, I learned all the the really tough parts to get through from her. And I mean, we also had lots of fun together after hours. So like she's really good at like being like, this is work time. And then this is hanging Wait. out time, friend time, all you right. know? Yeah. And that's how I've remained friends with her. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to remain friends with somebody that you used to work for, especially if it's a difficult job that you have to do on a daily basis with them. And I just feel like after I left, it was she sort of took on one of my mentor roles for me. So you could consult with her when you She's were... helped me a lot. Oh, yeah. She, she's a really good person to talk to in general. You so know? Here's, here's the deal. And <laughs> I, I don't think it's any surprise to Janice. You know, if anybody's following her on Facebook, they view Janice as a fairly she's... caustic person. <laughs> and But she's not. She's like the sweetest person. There's another person out there in the food world that I feel the same way about, Nick Zukin. And they're ha- oh, Janice I'm friends and with Nick, him too. <laughs> yeah, Janice and Nick and happen to be friends. Yeah. But every whenever they come up in conversation with somebody that doesn't know them, they always say to me, oh, isn't that person this or that? And I think, you know, until you know someone, you can't judge them oh, based so on a true. social media uh, persona. It's so, so true, especially in this industry. I mean, the restaurant food industry is so tough. It's the hardest. It's well, it's yeah. not it's not easy to be friendly and awesome all the time. Right, but Janice, <laughs> you know? Janice also, I think, is expressing herself. Oh yeah, that's where her expression goes on Facebook. And not to have a full conversation on on Janice, but I just oh, found no. it interesting when you know I I saw that you had come through Tanuki and yeah. Maya had, and those are you guys are doing some great things and so she had to have a a really strong influence on you i think that we're all pretty tough ladies and we know what we want and we know how to sort of go about it so do you think she was able to (laughs) identify that in you like what was the interview process like to go into tanuki how did you end up working there um well i saw i saw that she was looking for someone online and then i I just applied. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It was that simple. I had I had eaten there one time while I was the sous chef at Tapalaya, and we met because she knew that I worked in the industry, and we didn't really talk or anything more after we met, and then I saw that she was looking for someone, and I applied, and we just had a conversation about what we both wanted at the time and what would be a good fit and what I could do and what I had experience with, and it was pretty simple. I mean... When when you're working with Janice, you you sort of put your head down and work, like I said before. <laughs> <laughs> She's n- not an easy person to work for, and that's not in a, a negative way. It can be a negative way for a lot of people that have worked for her that have not lasted. I mean, I worked there for nearly a year, and that's like five years anywhere else. <laughs> well, it's, and I, I'm going to guess, I don't know, I wasn't there, but it's not necessarily all her. It's, it was a difficult restaurant, oh, a yeah. difficult bar. It was difficult. The way it was set mm-hmm. up, so that, that made it difficult. So you landed here to go back. So you mentioned Tapalaya, yeah. and you landed here as a result, you're family experience Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Well, my sister has been living here for a long time. She's 15 years older than me. So I'm the only first generation American in my family. Mm -hmm. And my sister and brother and my mom and dad came over in 79. 
And they actually settled in Ann Arbor, Michigan, because the, there was a Methodist church that had sponsored their family, our family. And then, so they lived there for a couple of years and then they found themselves in New Orleans because my uncle was a commercial fisherman in the Gulf. And he would... And they came from exactly where? Um, Hanoi. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they like stole a boat <laughs> and then they got stopped in Hong Kong and they were in a refugee camp in Hong Kong for about six months. Mm. And then they finally got this opportunity to be sponsored by a Methodist church in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And which is not a bad greeting. Yeah. To, greetings to America. No, Arbor, I mean, Michigan. they were, they were totally set up. Like I actually, like a few days ago, it was so interesting. Someone called the restaurant because they had read about me online and they asked to speak to me and I was talking to this gentleman and he was like, you don't know me, but I think I know your family because I, I think I helped them get settled in America when they moved here from Vietnam. And it was a man named Jerry Parker and he's living in like Phoenix, Arizona or something. And he like randomly called the restaurant to talk to me. And it was a really incredible conversation because I was not expecting for him to say any of this. And he was like, yeah, I sold your dad the car that they moved to New Orleans in for wow. like $100. And I was like, whoa. And like his wife got on the phone and she was like so emotional and remembering all these memories of my family. And this is like before I was even born. So, And what brought yeah. them to New Orleans from, from Michigan? So, and by the way, I just yeah. had this vision of them <laughs> at the big house, right? At the football game from from you know Hanoi, and, yeah, and uh, being all of a sudden becoming American football fans in the in the hotbed. Yep, of they really were. My mother loved f football. Oh, that's oh awesome. my gosh, she loved the Saints. So <laughs> can you? Oh, it's the Saints. Well, did yeah. they get into it in Michigan? Um, did, I don't know, cause I, you know they never even took me back there to visit. I never even went there okay. with them. Yeah. Um, but I knew that my mom loved the Saints. She never missed a game, like on TV. And that's when they always sucked. Yelling. And that's when they sucked <laughs> for a long time. I know they sucked most of the most of my childhood. Yeah, pretty much until <laughs> yeah. what? Twenty ten. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say ten, and then as I always add five years to everything. Yeah. So, but ten, yeah, twenty ten. So good. When they got you, Reese. Right. So <laughs> yeah. So what I'm curious about, and if you were, if you hadn't finished the thought, oh keep yeah. Going, but what I'm curious about is. Um, Tapalaya happens to be Cajun. Mm -hmm. You were from New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Is that how New Orleans? Sorry, New Orleans. That's like pronouncing it Oregon. <laughs> I, I, sorry. It's Nolans. Nolans. Please don't ever say no. that again. No. no. Oh. <laughs> My bad. Don't ever say what. Nolans. Nolans. That's, what, that's when you that's know just that, wrong. Like, that, that guy. That guy's never been there before. So leave it to court to not allow me to be the asshole. He goes a little further. Hey, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> no. So I'm just curious about Tapalaya. Did you land there because of you had familiarity with the cuisine when you got up here? Is yeah, that, totally. Or? I actually, I moved, I had initially, my first apartment here was on 22nd and Ash. So like right around the corner from that whole restaurant row on 28th. So we, I was just walking by and I was like, oh, weird, a New Orleans restaurant. And then when I started looking for cooking jobs, I saw that there was an opening. And so I actually applied once and didn't get a call back and then I applied again a couple months later because there was another ad and then I got a call back and then I just I just got hired there as a part-time line cook at first mm -hmm. and uh, I was I went to the Western Culinary Institute when I first moved here um, so I was going to culinary school at the time just working a little bit because I didn't know how how the workload would be and then I ended up going full-time and then after I finished school I became the sous chef and then I left in 2012 to go work at Tanuki for about a year. And then I went back to Tapalaya because the executive chef had left. And the, the former owner um, called me and was like, hey, can you help me at least <laughs> with like training and all the stuff? Because the other chef had left kind of abruptly. So, I mean, it's, it's always been Tapalaya's kind of, I started working there the first year that I moved here, so it's which which was when two thousand nine. Okay, mm -hmm, the summer of oh nine. I started working there in November of oh nine, so they've been open for about a year, and I've been working there in some capacity ever since. Like even when I was working at Tanuki, and they would need some help, I'd fill in some shifts and stuff. So I, I have a really good relationship with the former owner now. She's one of my best friends, and so we, I feel like we really grew that restaurant together. Me and Chantal. And, um, yeah, she's still, 
she's still there whenever I'm like, hey, uh, this random light bulb I've never changed is going out now. What do I do? It won't come off, you know? <laughs> Those are pretty good problems to have. Yeah. To, to need consultation. On. Yeah, like random things about the space. I, I'm really grateful to have a relationship with her still and she can kind of be like, oh, this is this is how this works. It's something that like you never have to deal with, you know? Owning, there's so many parts of owning a restaurant that you just don't know until, until you get there. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm sure some people could have told you ahead of time, but until you're actually in the woods... And the other part is life, you know, is a series of things that hit you from the side Mm -hmm. that you don't know. You're on a cane today (laughs) coming in here. You didn't plan on that. If someone, you know, someone said, hey, listen, you're going to buy this restaurant a year from now. You're going to have a few months where you're going to have to limp around the kitchen. Yeah, you'd you'd be asking, geez, can I do this? You'd probably... You know, you wouldn't back down, but it would be a different thought process. Oh, man, if I had a genie that could have told me everything that was going to happen in the past two years since I've owned this place, I may not have bought the restaurant. That that was my point. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but you're glad you did. Yeah, I mean, I... There's really nothing like working for yourself. I mean, you can't really trade that for anything. Being your own boss is really fulfilling. You know, being able to decide when you want to do things or decide what you want to cook or how you want to do it or change it if you want to is kind of priceless. I'd rather get make little money and be able to make my own decisions whenever I want to all the time than make lots of money and be like someone's slave, you know? So <laughs> so I'm always curious because I never, we don't really talk money because right. I don't think it's our, everybody's business. And well, it's, it's not my business. Every restaurant's different is Right, thing, but yeah. I'm always curious because, you know, when I came to Portland, when I was in Connecticut and the East Coast, the people who own restaurants were driving really nice cars and yeah. and able to show up at their restaurants in those nice cars and not get blowback from their employees. Here, it's different. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to uh, put on at least a modest lifestyle for their employees. So yeah. I guess my general question is, you just painted the, the, the pros and cons to yeah. working for someone, owning it yourself. Yeah. Uh, is it just... Uh, were you, so, were, I guess the question is, were you making a ton before and sacrificed money to own it for freedom? Which isn't a lot of freedom, by the way. No. Because you're still there. No. <laughs> so, the restaurant owns me. <laughs> right. But is it is it a good... I guess the real question is, I always want to ask, is this a really good enterprise? Are you happy with it? And do you see it supporting you for a long time and growing? Well, uh n- I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it really changes month to month. You mm-hmm. know, like, I mean, for restaurants, you you rely on your daily sales like so much. Restaurants live paycheck to paycheck, especially if it's you know slow, something that you can't really control. If it's slow, I, it's that's the end of it. You know, like. <laughs> but I, but I guess that goes to the point that there are probably some. Yeah operators Mm -hmm. that can hedge against that so that february of 2017 or was it yeah 2017 when that january february of 2017 that knocked out Mm -hmm. chessa and uh that was hard right that was hard but i'm sure there are obviously restaurants that withstood that and were didn't that one or two months hurt but it didn't put them out of business right but sometimes you have to sort of keep trucking and sacrifice a lot more than you're willing to to survive and sometimes it's worth it sometimes it's not it's all a gamble it's a really volatile industry um i would be lying if i said that there weren't days where i felt just like really overwhelmed and kind of like fuck why did why did i choose this life (laughs) but there are lots of days that i'm fulfilled by talking to my customers who have been regular regular customers for years now and Mm -hmm. we have a we actually have a really large regular customer customer base so i'm really grateful for that because where where this this restaurant that kind of floats between casual and kind of nicer but not totally it's not counter service you know so i mean we're full service but we also you know serve things that nobody else serves and it's a I like to have it be a home away from home for all the people from New Orleans and Louisiana because I I feel like this restaurant has given me the chance to really get that community together and 
especially during this tough Saints season. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah. oh, it's, a, it's a Saints quote-unquote bar? Or, yeah, or, or so I just got a TV spot? this year to show the Saints games, and we've had a you know, a little family come every every Sunday and the same people and we all get to know each other, but we've never met before, but we all have that common Louisiana thread, which is really, I mean, anybody from Louisiana knows it's it's just different when you grow up there. And when you meet people outside from Louisiana, you automatically have this connection and you feel kindred with each other, you know? Well, I think that's yeah. probably the case with most. Yeah, but it's... Most it's, locales, but, but, yeah. but New Orleans different and correct me if i say it wrong no you said it right <laughs> good so new orleans um has katrina as mm-hmm. a common bond you know there was 9-11 for the country in new york i don't know if people focus on that very much but well, these days it was, yeah. it was 17 years ago yeah um or 18 years ago um but is that generally something that's discussed a lot amongst... I mean, Katrina was, what, like 14 years ago now? Yeah, it was so, right before I moved here. I sort of, you know, so... Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like a lot of people may... I mean, not huge conversations about Katrina. I don't, I don't think about Katrina but, every day. You do, people know? Have their, do people have their Katrina stories? Of course, everyone yeah. has their Katrina stories, and you bond about that. Right, but, that's what I meant. Um, yeah, I've I've sh- we've shared our Katrina stories, and a lot of people from Portland or that live in Portland from Louisiana that I've met are from like Lafayette or like just all parts of Louisiana, really. So all the New Orleans people kind of either I haven't met a lot of people who relocated, but I've met a lot of people who like relocated somewhere else and then came here or mm-hmm. moved here right before the hurricane like reggie houston who plays a saxophone at the restaurant every tuesday mm-hmm. he actually moved here in like 2004 2005 so he moved here right before katrina happened um but he's he's my new orleans buddy he's like he's played at the restaurant for a long time now but he's like my grandpa or something i love him <laughs> oh cool yeah that, well there's a good reason to stop in i believe i stopped in i was in top years ago when you must have seen opened. reggie play or something i don't know I don't we used know. to have a lot of live music we only have live music on tuesdays and like saturday brunch and sunday brunch now but yeah reggie is one of my favorite new orleans characters that i know here <laughs> so do you feel like a uh, are you a, a real oregonian now or do you ever feel like you want to uh, mm. that that louisiana's in your in your heart and you want to go back that's Well, I've always, it's always been in the back of my mind ever since I moved here. Mm -hmm. Like on the first day that I got here, I was like, "Uh, maybe I'll go back. (laughs) But, you know, I I know that there's, there's certain aspects of quality of life here that are infinitely better than in New Orleans. Also vice versa, you know, so it's just like, I feel a lot safer here. There's not a lot of crime. We actually like recycle and care about the environment. And there's people that have more kind of like a, a liberal progressive like mind here in the uh, New Orleans is smack dab in the South, you know, so mm-hmm. New Orleans is an, an island in and of itself down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I miss the colorful people and I miss the music and I miss the art and I miss the the food culture and just the New Orleans culture. But life in New Orleans is is hard. It's a hard life. And it's hot as hell. It's the... hot AF. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, there's potholes everywhere. There's crime. It's riddled with crime. You could walk down the street and get mugged any day. Like, you don't really? feel safe there. Yeah, I guess no. I do. So, when, it's interesting because when you said there's a lot less crime here, in the past two years, I have not heard people attach that thought to Portland. Really? Well, because, you know. Well, I, I guess I'm from, like, New Orleans, which is right. one of the murder capitals of the world yeah, or something. So, <laughs> well, murder is one thing. I'm yeah. just seeing, you're just seeing a lot of yeah. vandalism mm-hmm. and, and breaking and entering and that sort of thing here. But I don't me, feel unsafe walking down the street at 11 p.m., no, like, on a side you're street right. here. You're you right. Know? Yeah. But, I, but I, I think about when I park my car. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things. So, um, but yeah, so New Orleans is a whole different. Did you experience anything down there, like firsthand, well, or I mean, or have, you know, you get your car broken into all the time. <laughs> like, down there, I probably got my car broken into like five or six times while living down there. And I was only driving from sixteen to twenty-one. There, I moved here when I was like twenty-one. Did you have a nice car? Or they're breaking into anything. I mean, I had a nice car. Okay. I had like a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and like you know, also just. Kids going around breaking windows for fun, not even taking anything. You know, it's just like there's a lot of annoying things that happen down there. Um, also, like there's 
there's sales tax there, which is really high right now. And that's kind of, it makes a difference if you work in the restaurant industry down there. And, but it, the, the difference is people, the tip culture in New Orleans is much different because the servers get paid 213 and not minimum. Right. So you get higher tips in the service industry down there. And so you feel like you, the service, the caliber of service needs to be more on point and all that stuff. And I feel like there's there's a little bit of a lack of really good service at every single place you go to here. You know? Well, pausing a moment here, Chris, to talk about a great place to go for dinner any time of the week. Ringside. Ringside. Look at that. Cheerleaders. Yep. Ringside Steakhouse. Yeah. In the Peterson family for 75 years. This would be the 75th year. Yep. And uh, there's a reason that restaurant has sustained so long. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to a show downtown, if you're going to any event downtown, why not go check out their three-course meals? Three-course supper. Yeah. $45.25 before 6 p.m. Monday through Thursday. And just a little bit more after that. Right. And then also Monday is prime time. Yep. So the prime rib three-course dinner, 35 bucks. Can't beat that. I mean, that's... That's beautiful beef oh, yeah. that you're going to be enjoying for that price at the Consummate Steakhouse in Portland as well. Yep. And uh, they have, we recently did a spot for them that reeled off their entire happy hour menu. Oh, they have one of the best happy hours in Portland, bar none. Yes. So, and, and you can get that all Sundays, 4 to 5.30, so mm-hmm. there's an hour and a half window on Sunday, and anytime you're ro- rolling around 9.30 to close, excellent Happy hour, so you can sample wonderful ringside food at happy hour prices. Yep, never a bad reason to go to Ringside Steakhouse. You can set up reservations online at ringsidesteakhouse.com. Hey, Chris, we'd like to welcome back to the uh, program, right at the fork, our great sponsor, Gen Air at Standard TV and Appliance. Yeah, it's awesome. They were with us a couple of years ago, but appropriate now, both in their, uh, both started in 1947, and just last year, Gen Air launched a beautiful series of new appliances they really upgraded everything they have two lines rise and noir for you to check out at standard tv and appliance tell us a little bit about them court well both of these lines connect to wi-fi so that you can use them using your amazon alexa or maybe you've got a google assisted enabled device like a google home connect and control appliances remotely like if you want to set the uh, oven before you get home you can do that get real-time notifications you can contact gen air call center through them and get this Get a recipe from Yumly through the device. More than one. You yeah. can do a few of them. And not only that, you can attach your dishwasher to Amazon and get get lo- dishwasher detergent delivered w- without even thinking about it. Nothing is worse than running out of dishwasher detergent and not, not realizing it, but your dishwasher or your washing machine are going to know this. Absolutely. So both the Noir and Rise line feature irresistible interiors illuminated by cinematic and chef's lighting, which is really cool. you got to see these. Smooth racks and flat tines, an expanse of dark glass. Really easy way for you to check out these lines. You can Google search Gen Air Rise or Gen Air Noir. That's one way to check these out, but there's an even better way to do it. Let's go down to Standard TV and Appliance. They have four locations, Mm -hmm. one in Beaverton, two in Portland. The showrooms are beautiful, and you'll be able to see them uh, not only in the showrooms, but on the the showroom floor, and uh, also one in Bend for our millions of listeners out that way. Mm-hmm. So this weekend, I just, I don't know if I, if you want to go. I'll let you decide. Do you want to <laughs> go down the tipping thing? Because I'd just like to discuss it for five minutes because I have sure. some thoughts on it. Um, and there are so many different aspects to it. And the laws have changed here too. So mm-hmm. it's, things have changed and will change. But you're talking, the, the only reason I'm bringing it up is because you were talking about the levels of service here are down a little uh, mm-hmm. down compared to New Orleans. And so I posted, so I went to some place last week that was counter service. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that now you're leaving a tip before you get service. Right. right. So they oh, the turn iPad. it around, yeah. they turn around and, and I'm always like, and I know how people in the restaurant industry feel, but I feel that 20% to have the person hand me a thing and then run the food out to me it belittles what the person who's actually serving me at another restaurant is doing. And it mm-hmm. also says the restaurant owner here has put that burden on me to mm. pay their people for yeah. doing less work. So, um, Well, I think it's more like pay less people than 
you know, because when you go counter service, you ne- you don't need as many, you know, hands. Right, but they've got know? that benefit to not right. pay. So now I'm paying the same amount as a consumer mm-hmm. and and for 20% for a lot less service. I mean, I'm walking up and getting my own utensils, my water, yeah. my napkins, and excuse me, you forgot my beers, yeah. walking up to say that. And so I had a friend of mine chime in and say, no, it should all be 20% right across the board. And I'm feeling like, well, well, but does that play into what you just said, where they're getting, these people are taking for granted the service industry because they just assume everybody's going to write 20% on the tip line when they turn around the iPad. Well, I think that if you've never worked in the service industry in another place than Portland, then you're definitely more naive as to how things should be going. Right. Um, um, I feel like... You should be, you should be able to choose what you tip a counter service person, and the way that it's built into the POS is more suggestive than not. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's business. Everyone is sort of just trying to be a money machine or a food machine and just make all the money, you know? Right. So I, I don't know. I when I go out to tip because I'm a restaurant owner, I always, even if I get bad service, I always tip twenty percent just the principle you know mm-hmm. um, and I think most people in the industry do that yeah um, but you know I I don't feel as bad for people who are you know are the 15% tippers here in Portland because minimum wage is $12 an hour and that's pretty hefty wage you know I never like made that ever at any even like non-minimum wage restaurant job that I ever had in New Orleans. You know, like I remember getting paid $9 an hour or something at the po'boy shop I was working at before, before moving to Portland. And that's like, that was high. I think minimum wage was like six bucks an hour or something. Um, I feel like (sighs) I wish we didn't have the tipping culture. That's what I want. But it is not going to be possible to go backwards at this point. I've heard that everybody's tried it and then people don't get it. it but for me, it's the it's the bagel and the coffee. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just mm-hmm. work that into the price. Make, I know, the, but make then the $3 people, coffee three, $3.50 and, or $3.60. Most people who dine out don't have experience with restaurants or working in restaurants. And that's who you're trying to make your money off of, really. And they are and will complain about those prices. And yeah. and once you've got a couple people starting to complain online and all that stuff, and I hate looking at those reviews because like Yelp is just so dumb, right? Everybody in the restaurant industry is like, fuck Yelp. But I, I still would like to read them even if they're negative and I disagree with them. Like it, it all adds you to the know pile, you know? Yeah. So yeah. So there's the consumer. <laughs> so, uh, and we'll go on to something else yeah. in a second, but my friend, I'm not going to mention his name cause I want to drag sure. him into this now cause <laughs> we did it on Facebook, but he's like, I don't, he wanted, I, I don't know if you've all worked in the restaurant industry and experienced what it's like to get to work and what it's like to make this. But yeah, but there's the other side. It's a, it's a market-driven situation. Mm-hmm. So there's the other side of it. You're a consumer. Maybe you know you haven't experienced that, but you're now experiencing, gee, I'm supposed to leave the same tip for someone who just hands me something. Yeah. Um, so I just think the market's going to fix it or correct it. Like, much like the record industry had to change and uh, concert industry changed and uh, the dial, the, the internet connection industry changed. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as a, as an owner of a business that has more than like 25 seats, like we have 65 seats at Tapalaya and it's you know hard to fill those seats sometimes because of how many restaurants are purely just in the area, you know, like it's crazy crazy how many restaurants. It's crazy how many choices you have here. Exactly. And that dictate, the market dictates that too. Yeah. And like, you know, the cost of, of running a restaurant is, is not going down and the amount of money you have to pay your employees is not going down. I mean, my biggest, my best, biggest expense is labor. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Labor kills me because I also have to pay taxes to have those employees to the IRS every other week. And so, like, I, if I didn't get taxed just to have employees, I, th- I I would be in a much, much, much better financial place than I am now with the restaurant. I mean, we're doing fine. We're staying open. But, you know, the volume of people that have been coming through on a weekly basis has definitely gone down. And, like, it's 
it's raise your prices or die, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, well, we've had to reformat a little bit. I mean, we've been open for 10 years now. I've, I've, my two year anniversary of owning the restaurant will be on St. Patrick's Day it, next month. Very nice. What a good day to, yeah. to take it over. At least I get to drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's been a real tough journey with a lot of educational things like in hindsight I wish I would have like taken a finance class or something before I bought the restaurant I maybe would have bought a house before I bought a restaurant (laughs) Um, there's so like I maybe would have reached out to someone to talk about cash flow management or something you know there's just so many moving parts to a restaurant that you're like, oh, now I have to do this. Oh, it's, now I have to do that. And you just Great. mentioned just the <laughs> fiscal act of paying those taxes, but there's also the physical act of, I got to do that every other, you have to find mm-hmm. a way, you have to either do it or pay somebody to do that every yep. other week. Yep. And those are all tasks that have nothing to do with delicious food. Yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> like so many people that are involved in making the everyday happen at the restaurant, you know, especially like, I don't know, all the workers. I have like 15 or 16 employees and that's a lot of people to manage. And somehow we're all on the same page. I feel good about them. We all trust each other. You really, I mean, I'm there seven days a week talking to everyone. On a, on a cane with a, <laughs> on a, with cane, a brace or whatever. With a torn ACL. <laughs> is that, does that Muller have anything to do with the investigation or oh, is that no. the actual name of the... It's the brand of the, the brace. The brand of the brace. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can I take this off? <laughs> well, yeah, I, know. I don't know where you are politically, but I think, you know. <laughs> I if, know. If you're going to wear a brace right now. Um, so... Uh, why did Chant- it was Chantel? Mm-hmm. Why did she sell it? Why did she? Sell um, it? Well, she had a baby, and it was her first child, and she was thirty eight, thirty nine, and I think she had owned it for eight years, and she, you know, that's a long time to own a restaurant, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I understand. I think she just wanted to have more time with her kid, and that's totally understandable because owning a restaurant means like you don't really have that much personal time. And I can't imagine, I praise all of the restaurant owners in town that have like kids and a family and everything. Like I, I don't, and I cannot imagine like having that on my plate as well as trying to open your first restaurant. Uh, Yeah. It's, Uh. it's one of the things that impressed me the most actually right Next door to Tapalaya, I used to go to Navarre a lot. Oh yeah, and, love Navarre. And, well, I don't know if it had anything to do with kids, but just, uh, but I, but it was my first time in Portland, really getting in, into conversations with John mm-hmm. and some of the folks who work there, and mm-hmm. I was just impressed at how hard they worked. And then I went from there, and now you see people with families. I don't know how. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how either. I really don't. It's, I mean, because a, a family is enough to juggle as it is without another family that's harder. I mean, the the family at the restaurant is the one that you spend your time with, all your time with. And it it would be hard for me to have like my real family and my restaurant family and not just have my my baby with me like all the time. (laughs) If I had a baby right now, it would be on my back. Me working at the restaurant, you know, (laughs) I saw for the first time there was a restaurant out at the coast where the server served with the baby yeah. on her back. I'd never seen that before. I, I that feel was... like I, I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, <laughs> no, I love it. It was kind of charming, actually. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you talk about tips. It's incentive to... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's right. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was a fake baby. Yeah, no, it wasn't even hers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you've had, you've had a rough year. You wrote me uh, mm, a mm-hmm. nice email when I said, you know tried to prompt a few things that we could talk about and you sent me a nice list of positives like having your more positives than negatives. Your, right having your <laughs> dish on the cover of portland monthly that yeah, had to that be was cool did you know that was coming i did um well we weren't positive yet because they were like it could be you or it could be the other people well that they we want to maintain <laughs> yeah. well it's because they want to they don't want to disappoint you yeah. last minute there's a some reason to have an editorial change. Yeah. So when we when we got it in the mail, it was like, oh my god, it's our dish, and it was it was really cool because I, I mean, having something in print, having your face and your name in print is such a big deal these days because everything is just online because it's convenient, you know. Mm-hmm. But like having something on a piece of paper that like you can frame or like show someone is kind of novel, but it's also well, I feel like it's really it's an accomplishment. I feel n- proud of it. There's no good restaurant that doesn't have some right. Some uh, media 
on somewhere on their wall, mm-hmm. probably on the way to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Usually, <laughs> exactly. That's the place. <laughs> um, <laughs> but did you see an immediate? Did you see a pop in business from having the cover of Portland Monthly? Yeah, we did. And we, I mean, last March was also Portland Dining Month. So it was like a combo of having our dish on the cover of the Portland Monthly and then Portland Dining Month. It was our first year and people really, really received it well. Um, We're going to do it again this year and I'm excited for it. Um, But March was a really good month for us last year. And the, the dish that was on the cover just like, was ordered so so much (laughs) and we still have it on the menu so it's still a favorite um but yeah i feel like what was the dish it was the crawfish etouffee nachos on wonton chips very nice (laughs) um press like that does help but i i can tell you press doesn't help all the time for sure i mean like i i i've had my fair share of press i've been on the local news a lot (laughs) for like random things yeah i'm i'm (laughs) not so sure that the local news is really the food audience. No, I'm, it's not. But a lot not, of people have come in to, and said they've seen me on the news. Well, yeah, yeah. that too. And I, I've been on the news to f- talking about my trips. And yeah. I've had people come on my trip. My girlfriend uh-huh. saw me on TV. Nice. So that was, <laughs> I can never say it does. But, um, but I also, my experience over the years, because I've seen it quite a bit, is that's, I think, maybe a different suburban audience and mm-hmm. they have w- viewers in portland but i don't know if they're the same people who dine but out you do a lot. want those people that live in the suburbs to come in and come to your restaurant and you know like but they're not as prone so yeah. restaurant owners have this i think provincial mindset that only and it's obvious because they keep opening in portland it's just now that we're seeing the salt and straws and the and the bamboos going out to lake oswego mm-hmm. and opening elsewhere so they have Restaurants haven't really paid attention to marketing in the suburbs yeah, too much. Yeah, I think it would be a moneymaker for sure. Like if 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 I could afford to have another tapalaya like in the suburbs, I think that would probably be a good choice because there's less stuff like that out there. You know? I've always said, and I don't know if it's true, but I live in Southwest, not mm-hmm. not downtown Southwest. Like for- Portland Southwest. Yeah, Portland Southwest, yeah. you know. Um, and I've always said, if so, so, no one's paying attention to it. Now, Andy Ricker just went out there with Pac Pac. Oh, where? I wonder how he's doing. At the old Humdinger. Oh, right uh, yeah, that hamburger the, place, right? Yeah, it's no longer a hamburger oh. place. It's now Wings. Nice. It's so, just a Wing Shack? Like a, uh, you can, there's it's some small. other dishes there. Okay. But yeah, it's his new, it's kind of his model that he wants to, uh, he was on the podcast, so we talked about it. And cool. it's, the mo- it's the model that isn't going to be opening a big restaurant in New York or L.A. This is what he thinks will open. It's what yeah, I think it's what he opened in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. too, or licensed uh, in Las Vegas. I mean, Vegas. as little overhead as you can have is probably the best idea for opening a restaurant like these days. You know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, Tapalaya mm-hmm. Light. Tapalaya too. Yeah, yeah Tapalaya <laughs> too. But anyway, I just, I'm always curious about the uh, media and how it works in the TV world because in Portland... You get there are a lot of chefs that are on Stephanie and Molly's show on Channel Twelve, and we love them. Yeah, I've been on their show. They've been on this show, (laughs) and they're coming on this show, Um, and um, they're featured. Yet you never see anybody buy advertising. No, no restaurant ever buys. It's all about getting the free stuff. Yeah, and they're lucky that the news stations, you know, that we're a food town, so they love to feature it. It's something that will make people tune in. Right. So they're using you, you're using them, and it all works out pretty well. And and no money exchanges hands. I know. And because of social media, too, like Twitter, Facebook, all sort of makes advertising much much cheaper and easier for restaurant owners and small business owners. And, I mean, I feel like Facebook is one of our main sources of, getting like our special events out there people are like oh i just saw this random thing on facebook i'm just gonna go paid facebook or just facebook just regular facebook i've only paid for something maybe like once so you're <laughs> so tapalaya a business page uh-huh. you don't have to boost it to get I mean, enough i i get no one to see my stuff if i don't pay for it it's probably facebook's model because i had well, to pay like, for it. i feel like whenever i i create events and stuff they get circulated on the events page pretty well, and I don't have to like boost my event or anything. Um, yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's it is really cool. But I, I, I mean, it just depends on when people like when you post is really important because like the volume of people looking at Facebook at the time or something mm-hmm. matters. I don't know, and how you tag it matters, or how you hashtag it, or whatever. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm 
I know about it, but I'm not like the best. Well, I, feel, I think that's what every, how everybody feels <laughs> right? about it. And there's a there's a uh, email in my box. Someone from fa- Facebook said, "Call me. We can do better." But that's because I just did some stuff for the auto show and spent tons of money with them. So they think, oh, now that you're spending, uh, you know, thousands of dollars. Right. Um, Anyway, that's beside the point. So um, where were we? You tell me. Oh, well, we went down the rabbit hole of tipping. Oh, right. We went went down tipping and then we were talking about running the, before that, we were talking about running the restaurant and what it takes. Oh, I know where we were because I mentioned the Portland Monthly um, cover and um, you've had a, you told me you've had a really challenging, at least year. It's yeah, been really tough. I've had a really tough year with just, you know, personal things that have happened. And then business is always like, you always have to worry about the business. I worry about the business every second that I'm sli- awake. Do you lose sleep over it? So um, you, you, you worry about it when you're awake. What about when you're trying to sleep? Um, yeah, I totally can't sleep at night. <laughs> I like, I just, I'm a light sleeper too. So any little like noise that happens in the middle of the night will like wake me up. And then I've got this, I've got this torn ACL that isn't the most comfortable. Yeah. I have to elevate it. And then if I like roll over the wrong way, I like get woken up by the pain. Yeah. When's that going away? I don't know. I'm going to the doctor tomorrow. Finally. Took you a while. (laughs) Took me a while. Healthcare (laughs) system is not easy on restaurants, especially it's hard for you to get, even there wasn't an appointment. Right. in the near future there but was you, no available it's, appointment. Hard for you to, it's harder it would be much easier to schedule something that week than okay i'll be good in april on the third week right so and, and in the meantime you've had to endure that how do you do that that many hours a day on that painful knee i don't know i'm a beast i really i shock myself sometimes i'm like at the end of the day, like, how did I just stand up all day long with a broken, like, leg? <laughs> and, like, what happens is I end up putting all my weight on my right foot, and then my little pinky toe, like, dies, and it's, like, so sore at the end of the day. But then I, like, I don't know, I rub. My friend made me this really awesome, like, cannabis salve, and it actually really, really works. I was shocked. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. This is just going to make the, the pain go away temporarily. But it, like, my toe isn't sore at all the, the next day anymore so really? i got that that helps me keep what's going the ratio of thc to cbd in that cell i have no know? idea i think he makes it with like fresh buds or something so it's it's not like the crumbly stuff at the bottom of the bag <laughs> yeah well that's that's what i've been told that is you just don't know what you're getting i know well he's my friend and he does it for a living so he right like, and yeah. so he's doing it just to help you that's good yeah he's, do, he's not trying to sell you no he just uh, gave it to me it was great <laughs> yeah that, so it, it does work that's it totally works um i don't know i also i ch- i pick and choose the projects that i work on at the restaurant um if i'm not in the kitchen i'm in the office just working away at my desk because there's just always something to do there my day is never done unless i'm like all right i gotta cut myself off because like Literally, I could just do endless work. What time do you cut yourself off? Um, it depends on the day of the week. Like Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Since I have to be there like seven days a week, I try to keep three days a week lighter. So like just daytime hours. And then I'll leave by like, I don't know, four or five. But it's like a normal work day for everyone else. <laughs> My short days are a normal work day for everyone else. Yeah, well, and that's what I find. The, yeah. the, anybody on their days off, their day off is just that. The, My day off is probably spending at least three or four hours at the restaurant. That's a short, that's like as little time as I can spend there and like achieve a thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do you get to take vacation at all? Um, I try not to take a lot of vacation, but I did plan myself a vacation for April f- to go back to New Orleans for Jazz Fest because I haven't been in 10 years. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. And how long is that vacation going uh, to be? Five days. Yeah. And are you able, will you be able to put your phone down? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I just need to be available to give the answers of, to questions that they might not have, you know. Forward it all to Chantal and uh, Janice. <laughs> Yeah, call them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on vacation. What are you doing here? No, I've got I've got a kitchen manager and I've got a rest of like front of the house manager that can do things for me while I'm gone and I just have to prepare a little bit more, but I feel I feel good about the restaurant when I'm not there. I think my staff really looks out for me and kind of like I'm pretty transparent as as a boss because <laughs> I, I used to be them. You know, I was right. I was there working in the kitchen doing that same job for what, like seven years before I bought the restaurant. So 
I think that they they can't not respect me. I'm there doing it with them. So it's it's it, it's it's good for them to know that uh, I'm putting in as much work as they are. So so do you think yeah. down the road as you progress? This is what I see. We've had we've been doing this for we're on a six year here. Oh, this podcast? Yeah. Wow. Did you know about it, by the way? I did know about it, but I didn't know that it was six years old. Well, it's not quite. It's f- we've completed five, right? We're on our sixth. In our right? sixth year. In How many third, people yeah. have you interviewed for? Over 200. Wow. So we do a, we do a repeat primarily because um, we realize we have a lot more listeners now that uh-huh. didn't listen to the podcast in 2014 and 15. So we think. Those some of oh, those you're interviews like re-releasing those interviews. No, yeah, they're just mm-hmm. as relevant. We try to be evergreen. We don't talk a lot about events, and if we do, it's a big deal. But uh, yeah. we try to be evergreen. So when we have you, and we're starting to repeat guests, uh-huh. and it's nice because we can get updates and yeah. cover different topics. You'd be surprised. You can only cover so much in forty-five minutes to an hour. We're almost done here. Oh we, wow! <laughs> yeah, so it it goes fast. So it's it's actually nice to be able to revisit people. We have. Doug, Dougie Adams oh, coming on right after you. Oh, nice. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> I, we will. You'll probably pass him. Nice. You'll see him. And he's coming back again, but he, we first talked to him yeah. when he was starting, when he, the concept for Bullard cool. was out there two and a half years ago. I know. And, and now he's opened it, so we're glad to be able to catch up with him. That's um, awesome. But, uh, but that's what I found a lot is that as chefs get older, mm-hmm. they can spend a little more time away from the restaurant and mm-hmm. feel comfortable, and then eventually really just check in once in a while yeah i would like to have multiple restaurants if if that's in my future but it's it's too young for me right now mm-hmm. like i'm only on my second year with Tapalaya, and you know who knows if it's going to be Tapalaya for the whole time that i have the space so you know i'm definitely thinking about cooking some completely different things in the future i'm having i'm having a full pop-up tomorrow with not tomorrow wednesday with my sister, she's coming and helping oh, me cook the broth. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, and she's she's not a chef at all. She's like an ER pharmacist, so <laughs> she's. Well, she can maybe help you with with that. that exactly, with I was knee. like, so you want to make pho, do you? Yeah, there, there was an ulterior motive there. Do you ever see? Um, I'm. I don't think you mind sharing that you live out in West Lynn. Oh do no, you, my sister does. I don't live out there. Oh, I thought you did. No. Let me read again. Hold on. Let's stop for a minute. My what? sister and my parents used to live out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got and that And that's wrong. where um, I had a farm for the restaurant going for a, the first couple of years okay. out at my sister's place in Westland. Oh, see, because mm-hmm. you just answered a question because I was going to ask, A, do you ever see yourself maybe looking to open something out there? But B, that added to the actual stress of your day getting yeah. there. And, <laughs> if, if that was the case, getting yeah. there and back. So No, it was a, it was hard to have the farm there. Um the farm kind of died out when I got super just overwhelmed with being a restaurant owner and then this happened. So I'm like, and it's gross outside right now. Who wants to farm right now? <laughs> but I did some farming last summer and it provided a lot of stuff for the restaurant and it was fulfilling. I wish I could have focused on that part more, but you know, it's too easy to just order from a produce company. Well, and there's know? some wonderful, yeah. lots of options around exactly. Portland. You don't, you don't have to Or rely like go on. to the farm and pick stuff up real quick. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no, in other cities, you wouldn't necessarily have that option. So Yeah, it was for, great. And I hope to revive it if I can um, this summer. But I don't know, with my knee, I'm not sure. Because yeah. I, I mean, I was mainly, me and my sister were mainly the ones doing the farm and it's really hard to have a farm. <laughs> what were we thinking? I'm like, yeah, no, I would I'm doing a whole days of restaurant work, and now I'm like hoeing the dirt yeah. like all night. Yeah, those and like, a lot of those jobs are the ones we're all talking about now yeah. that nobody nobody wants. Yeah. So, um, do you get to get out at all? Because we like to ask where you, what places I you do. like to frequent. Who's doing things that you're impressed by in Portland? Um, I mean, I try to go and try all the new places and stuff, but I mean, it just really depends on the time of year. Because like right now is supposed to be our busy time of year because of Mardi Gras. Oh, that's right. Mardi Gras, and then there's Valentine's Day in a couple of weeks. And So thank you random. for coming in. You're yeah. going to be crazy busy right now. Yeah, but we're closed tonight for our holiday party. So I was like, oh, I can, we're closed today. I don't have to worry about the restaurant, like getting the restaurant ready to open. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do like to get out. Where did I go last that I really liked? Um, I went to Bar Casa Valle recently. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that place. 
Um, and they have their new place too. Oh, so they coming, do. Not coming to mind. It starts with an E. Anyway, once, <laughs> once it's around a little bit and I see people posting from there, we'll know. But um, I really want to go try Janice's Pizza Kaya. Um, that's do. next on my list. Do. Um, I don't know. I'm blanking. She also served us up some incredible cannoli too. Oh, nice. She brought. She brought that. Did she? No, she brought the bacon. She brought the bra- bacon and cannoli. Cannoli. Oh, yeah. nice. She served another cannoli. When we went, or she, oh, she brought there. you some bacon. Oh, Ooh, yeah. I'm jealous. Oh my god, she brought. <laughs> how big was that? A square foot? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it was a foot, foot by six by six inches by a foot. Six, six by twelve, like yeah. a half a, ba- a half a pork belly or sure. something. Yeah. yeah. So, and we're not nice. mentioning that as a hint to chefs to bring their best stuff. <laughs> All right. Next time I get invited, oh, man. I'm still thinking about that bacon. Did you finish it already? I've got a little bit left that you I think I'm going to chop up and put in a soup. But we, I did like full on bacon with it. Yeah. Mm. Well, he's got a family. I'm just. You know, a couple of us here and there. And oh, no, when, when your 13-year-old says, Dad, this is the best bacon I've ever had, I mean, You're like, well, let's something. eat it every day. How are, how are you? Are you able to slice it like I'm just, perfect I've, thinness? I, I've as, been really as impressed. Best I, I mean, it's thick cut, but it's... No, you got to have a slicer to get that, that no, thinness. No, 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 you don't. I... I I'm gonna. I never pat hand, myself Chris? on. I never pat myself <laughs> on the back for anything in the kitchen. But okay. man, You're I have sliced thin. the best bacon. <laughs> different, you know. Let's try it this way. But yeah, thin and thicker. You know, we. I put like thick eggs. cut bacon a lot. Yeah, I like it yeah. too. But I've started to really like it crisp. Yeah, I never did before. But now I'm just like I really like the. Anyway, how do you like your bacon? <laughs> I like it. Well, I like it in the middle, in the middle of the road. Like sometimes I like it crisp, but I like I, I like it on the rawer side too. Like eat it like ham. It's really yeah. Good. I yeah. that's the way I've always eaten it. But I, ever since I discovered uh, cooking it in the oven, yeah, uh, on foil, uh, it's just to me changed my bacon world. We have this really thick cut bacon at brunch at Top called steak bacon, mm-hmm. and it's made from Duroc pork, and it's literally like this thick. And so we like. Par cook it in the oven, but I like to pop it in the deep fryer, and then it becomes like a crunchy mm. meat crouton. There's a cardiologist for you. Oh, good. <laughs> so, wh- yeah. uh, so la- we have a couple of minutes. Um, I think we can do a service to people by suggesting when they you're suggesting when they go to Tapalaya what you would particularly suggest if you're, it's your first time and you really want to get a feel for that restaurant, what they should order. Oh man, um, definitely the crawfish etouffee nachos. That is my personal special etouffee recipe. It's sort of my favorite like Viet Cajun dish that I make because the etouffee is based on this uh, soup. My favorite Vietnamese soup is called Bunzio, and it's uh, it's the vermicelli noodles and like a crab custard and it's fried tofu and it's tomato based. It's spicy. It's got lemongrass. Um, have you interviewed Ben Bettinger from oh, yeah. Laurel? I see that guy every time I go to on Sandy to eat that dish. I see him, and we are eating the same thing, and it's so funny. <laughs> anyway. Um, you probably see Maya there, too, right? I've actually that, never run into Maya there. I've tried to go meet her there a couple times. but uh, something then, thereabouts. Yeah, some, something always happens, but I'm surprised I haven't run into her there because I usually go there by myself just for a quick lunch before, like, like in the middle of my day. Um but my etouffee is based on that soup, and so I, the flavor of that soup is also kind of like the flavor of crawfish etouffee. So it's not like this terribly different tasting dish. So it tastes very familiar to both people who eat it, and um, that's a good dish. The crawfish and loo is also the most popular dish on the menu. It's grits with the Cajun cream sauce. I'm about to kind of mix it up a little bit and add a bunch of lemongrass and ginger and garlic to the sauce to make it more Viet Cajun. So I'm sort of moving my menu to be more on the Vietnamese side than the Cajun side. And that's going to happen slowly because I don't want to piss off any of, you know, the regular Tapalaya customers. But ultimately, I would like to cook more Vietnamese food in my future. So is that why before... Five or ten minutes ago, you said maybe the restaurant would not be Tapalaya someday? Yeah. I mean, Tapalaya is ten years old now. It's our tenth year, and mm. I feel like ten years is a good lifespan for a restaurant. But, I mean, I don't have any plans to change it or anything. Oh, no, but because like, I'm going to use for the headline the way Eater does now. This yeah. restaurant will be changing. <laughs> <laughs> have you um, noticed how they're all, uh, yeah. the Eater headlines are very teasy? Yeah, you know? they are. Oof. I know. I have it. I 
I just I, I, read, didn't, I didn't mean to say woof. I just meant they're all teasy. It's like I have to read everything <laughs> exactly. now. You can't get it in the headline it's any longer. It's a teaser. Um, yeah, I mean, I just renewed my lease for the next five years, so who yeah. knows what will happen. But And you like being on that block. I love being on that block. You, 28th Street's awesome. Do you go to, uh, to um, next door? Yeah. To Navarre and yep. to... Uh, Help me. Angel Face. Angel Face. And I was Cardinal say Club. Baby Doll. Cardinal Club's great, too. Oh, love I love Cardinal, Cardinal Club. Club. Mm-hmm. It's great. Anything else on that block? Uh, of course, we got Paddy, uh-huh. which is great. I love Paddy. Like, I definitely go eat there probably at least once a month or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I go to Cheese and Crack for Frosés. Mm-hmm. I go to Holman's to drink a lot. <laughs> um, I go to Guero. It's not It's not that far away. Love that. I was just at Stomptiche the other night after work grabbing a bite. That, too. You, that's yeah. a, that is an awesome block. Yeah, there's ran- ranch pizza at the Poison's Rainbow. Is- I just had that for the first oh, time Oh, man, last that week. stuff is good. Yeah, so is and it as good there as it is up on... Uh, I don't know. Deke, I've, um, I've never been to that one. Okay. But, you know, I'm not a huge deep dish pizza fan, but like no, that's that, good. that shit's good. You can hold the, ra- you can hold the ranch sauce. Put yeah. that on the salad. Oh, I like the ranch sauce. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I tried it. I was like, no. But the pizza was awesome. Yeah, the, the sausage, awesome. the number four, I think it's called. Yeah, that's the one I get. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> the bread is good. It's like light French bread pizza. It's good. So I hope all your friends on 28th mm-hmm. are, are uh, uh, g- come and thank you for saying, oh, yeah. hey, thanks for giving us a shout out. The so. neighborhood's awesome. I wouldn't, this is, I'm trying to hold on to the space and it would be fun to have a, a different restaurant in that space because Tapalaya is great. I love it. It's, it's part of who I am now, but restaurants can't survive forever. I mean, like, I don't. I don't want to be working at Tapalaya when I'm like 50 or 60, right. you know? <laughs> well, also, a reboot doesn't hurt in, a, in exactly. Portland because the, everybody's looking for the next new thing. Yeah, and I, I want to like further my own career, not just by cooking the same thing all the time. Like, I, I'm comfortable with it, but I would like to cook things that I don't normally cook. I, I pride myself in being a chef that, you know, doesn't, isn't just limited to a certain cuisine. And well, you haven't been. You've been a hybrid yeah, for a while. I like I like making weird, random, fun stuff and random shit that doesn't go together. M- make it happen. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to coming over. It's been a, a long time, so we'll. Uh, yeah, I'll say totally. Hello. You'll probably be there. I'll probably be there, but <laughs> hopefully, I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that doesn't do. Too. I hope that's not personal. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Just Thanks so much on a uh, on what was possibly going to be a snowy Monday. I know. Thank goodness. I not. was not looking forward to driving in the snow with all the other people of Portland. <laughs> yeah. So I had a little reversal. I live in Manzanita. They got two inches of snow. Oh, I yeah. didn't get to take the dogs out in it. So um, I'm glad to do this podcast. This is a, this is more than a consolation. This is a oh, pleasure. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 